Welcome to season two of the Let's Talk podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church, where we talk about what it's like to be a Christian Monday through Saturday, to be a person of faith and a culture against faith. So let's talk about what do we do when the church itself became the oppressor? Yeah, I mean, is it even a fair question? The church always oppressed somebody. Yeah. Um, I well, mean, well, no, that's, not, that's not true. true. That's not entirely true. Judaism has oppression largely throughout its history. Yes. Just like all of the ancient Near East did. But the early church was built on the oppressed. <clears throat> the early church was the persecuted. They were yeah. the oppressed. Um, so they didn't really persecute anybody. But by the time you get to about the year 300, Constantine takes over. Council of Nicaea happens in 325. The final version of the creeds radicated in 381 when we get Constantinople. Constantine happens right about the same time. The Council of Constantinople, right? Yeah. Catching all the the vibes. Um, About that time, you see a shift in the church. Mm -hmm. And the church begins to become oppressors of certain people. Yeah, for sure. I think... We end up having to have this conversation now. Um, I mean, I feel like in ways this conversation has happened throughout history. Um, it has. Like Martin Luther, not directly, like he had dogmatic problems, but another piece was that the um, the Catholic Church was becoming more about, you know, paying to, what, what what's the... the the actual academic term. Um, I don't know what you mean. Oh my God. I hate you. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, no, Martin Luther's problem was he had some theological qualms, but the theological qualms were not what made him want to, and he didn't, he never wanted to leave the Catholic church. They right. kicked him out, but his major qualm wasn't even indulgences. Indulgences, indulgences. are the word you're looking for. His biggest qualm is not even indulgences. His biggest qualm is the selling right. of those indulgences. Right, 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 right. Agreed. That's what I meant. Paying for... The exploitative for, element. Paying yeah. for salvation. Yeah, paying for salvation, the indulgences piece, felt very oppressive, felt very... You <clears throat> felt like you could only be involved with the church if you had the money to pay for it. Well, no. What happened was, and this is what really pissed off Martin, was... They wanted a new cathedral built, and mm-hmm. they couldn't figure out how to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Birth the selling of indulgences. Ah. So there was no there was no theological merit for why we should be selling these. Mm-hmm. And Martin Luther saw them as very exploitative because right. what you saw people start doing was saying, <coughs> they start saying, "Hey, um, if you're worried about your grandma who died, you know." 40 years ago, right. you can buy an indulgence for her to be like her, her sentence in purgatory mm. to be lessened. Yeah. And it's like super exploitative. Yeah. That was Martin's real problem. I see. I see. That makes sense. It's, it's about, it's less about caring for people and more about exploiting people. Correct. There you go. It, that became the problem. Yep. Um, so this has been a conversation that people have been having for a long time about how the church has been oppressing people, but in a modern context of today, what do we do? Because we, 
the church, and I say we, big capital W, have become the oppressors. Yeah. Um, of many groups of people. Basically, anyone who doesn't look like, think like, talk like us. Yeah, and unfortunately, the white man, uh, a white male Christian, has the largest or loudest voice, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. So, what do we do as people who see this problem and move forward? What do we say to the church Burn it to the ground. Burn it to the ground. Burn it to the ground. I actually, with all of the things that have been happening with the SBC and all the stuff um, and all the big things that have been going on recently, um, I had a friend ask me the other day, so where are y'all nailing y'all's 95 theses? Right. (laughs) No joke. No freaking joke. Uh, Yeah, good question. Um they made a joke like, is that going to be social media for y'all? Or like, what's right. going on? Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Um, so we end up coming to a, a question of what do we do? What do we do, Cullen? Um, Stick it to the man. Yeah, burn it to the ground. Uh, first and foremost, burn it to the ground. I don't know. I was real triggered by, if you didn't know, at the time of this recording, it's the week of the Southern Baptist Convention's annual meeting. The big SBC report comes out like a month a month ago at this point, mm-hmm. maybe longer. And still nothing of substance has been done. Yeah. But yet we're going to spend significant amounts of time Deciding whether or not we're going to kick Rick Warren and Saddleback Church, one of the largest churches in the denomination, out of fellowship because they ordained and hired some women and gave them the title of pastor. Yeah. But we're just not supposed to talk about how like sexual abuse is running rampant. You got a name of more than 700 people that are ministers that you won't release. Mm-hmm. Why? Presumably because it's all the most powerful people in Baptist life. Yeah. The system is designed to oppress people. Yeah. I was having, a, I mean, you and I have had this conversation in several times over the last few days, but I've been continuing that the same conversation with multiple people. The Southern Baptist church seems to feel like LGBTQ issues are the big problem, right? Like, this seems to be the thing that everyone wants to focus on right now and everyone wants to have problems with. But do we not have bigger fish to fry? Not for them. Oh, no, no, no. For, for sure, not in their worldview. But we're still not taking care of, like, the quartet of the vulnerable. We're still not caring for these people. And oh, but, but you don't have to. Didn't you know that <laughs> this is... Uh, America is God's country. America is where Christianity was meant to thrive. We don't have to care about the alien. Even though it was built on deists. Yeah, but even but even still, bro, didn't you know Jesus was white dude? Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, of course, I don't have to care about the alien or the foreigner. Yeah. I don't, hear, I don't have to care about anybody except the other white dudes that are going to give me money. Yeah. It just, it feels as if we are missing the big picture. 
Uh, well, I'm going to stop you and not say we because we okay. are not affiliated no, no, with these people. We, no, no, no. When I say we, I mean the church we as the church. Yeah. Because we are a part of the church. Oh, we are absolutely a part of the church. We are not a part of the Southern Baptist Convention. But no, no, no. But we <laughs> as the, the capital C church, lots of times it feels like we miss the message. Uh, yeah, I think if you listen to most people, I saw a statistic one time that blew my mind in any given Sunday in any evangelical church, 80% of the sermons preached mm. the, the Bible has 66 books, mm. 80% of the sermons that are preached in any given Sunday in evangelicalism come from one of 13 letters of the apostle paul yeah what does paul most frequently talk about it ain't caring for the vulnerable my guy no that's the problem yeah. it's what part of the book you prioritize most what do you give the most voice to what do you what do you make the biggest deals out of is it sin is it combating against experiences of death mm -hmm. most of the time in evangelicalism it's sin yeah but it's selective sin yeah. It's the sins that I would never commit. Right. Right. Um, and so what ends up happening is you end up developing your functional, your orthopraxy, like the way in which you actually function. You mm -hmm. do it based off the things you give most voice to. Right. And so if you're not giving voice to the Gospels, to Acts, to the Old Testament, where those are actually oppressed people, mm -hmm. and you're giving voice to Paul, who is... Paul is very concerned. Remember, Paul doesn't write very many letters that he's not writing specifically to solve major problems. Right. So, like, Paul's only talking to the unhealthy churches. Yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe narratively we should look at the book of Acts. Maybe narratively we should look at the message of Jesus, the Gospels. Maybe there are lots of other places we can do than just these letters. But because Paul's design, like Paul is writing that letter for the sole purpose of dealing with problems, it makes the most sense that Paul's going to spend majority of his time talking about sins that are causing those problems. Right. That's the problem. That's so the problem. That leads us into a great transition here. Um, we're going to be looking at Matthew t chapter 23, uh, to, to help facilitate this conversation. And Jesus starts just by talking about the scribes and the Pharisees who are now at the peak of power in the yeah. Jewish world. Um, and he ends up saying in, in verse 3, Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it, but do not do as they do because they do not practice what they teach. Right? That kind of just sets you up perfectly here for the, the rest of what he's going to say. Um, kind of tying back into what we were talking about last week um, about the the false prophets who like to be spoken well of. Yeah. Um. And to be greeted in, greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have people call them rabbi, like the pastors who walk in through the grocery store and have congregants walk up to them and say, hey, pastor. <laughs> like a little bit of a dopamine hit there, I bet. Um, Man, every time it happens to me, I like anytime it happens to me, my stomach drops. Yeah. Um, it just, I don't know. It. 
I don't. But we try very hard around here to make sure people don't put me on a pedestal. Yeah. I tell them all the time, don't put me on a pedestal because I will knock myself down. Yeah. Um. So, like, there is that caveat. But you are right. These scribes and Pharisees want to be praised. Yeah. They are looking for the power. That's right. So, we end up getting to um, this whole thing here where call no one your father. Because you have one father in heaven. Um, you are not called to be instructors. You have one instructor, the Messiah. Um, and then the this whole greatest among you will be uh, your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. This whole there you go. Don't, the first will be last, yeah. the last will be first. Don't, don't just skip over that. That yeah. might be the heart of the whole thing. It, it might be, but it's this it's the general idea that we get from the chapter of or the book of John, the last will be first and the first will be last, right? This flipping of the power metaphor. Would you agree in that? Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, that's exactly what that's trying to say. But then connecting it to what we talked about last week is the woes, right? That's the rest of this section. Is woes. There are... Um, and very specific, detailed woes. There are six detailed woes here to the scribes and Pharisees, to the religious oppressors. Mm-hmm. So in asking a question, what do you do when the church becomes oppressor? This. Offer them the woes. This is what Jesus says, beginning in verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Whew. Strong language. For you lock people out of the kingdom of heaven. For you do not go in yourselves, and when others are going in, you stop them. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cross sea and land to make a single convert, and you make the new convert twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. So that right there, I don't know, when I read this, for you lock people out of the kingdom of heaven, my brain shot to lgbtq people yeah of course (laughs) of course you lock them out of the kingdom of heaven but it like if that if that's the problem don't forget black people nope don't forget women agreed don't forget foreigners yep and now lgbtq yeah like there 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 are multiple categories of people that the white church has locked out quote locked out of the kingdom of heaven correct and i think that I was having a conversation about this the other day. I think that the the locking out of the kingdom of heaven part is connected to the experiences of death that the church causes, right? And keeps them from wanting to pursue divine likeness because of the image that the church has set. Well, that's the deal. I say it all the time. How can anyone believe your message when there are poor people and homeless people literally right around the corner from your multi, multi million dollar building. That's right. That's the next part. Woe to you, blind guides who say, whoever swears by the sanctuary is bound by nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the sanctuary Mm -hmm. is bound by the oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the sanctuary that has made the gold sacred? Hmm. And you say, whoever swears by the altar is bound by nothing, but whoever swears by the gift that is on the altar is bound by the oath. How blind are you? 
or how blind you are. For which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar, swears by it and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the sanctuary, swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. Hmm. And whoever swears by heaven, swears by the throne of God and by the one who is seated upon it. Do you understand how you were talking about the inversion of power metaphors, right? Mm-hmm. They have mixed their worldview. Yeah. Everything is viewed now through the commodity yep. and not the divinity. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. We're yeah. no longer seeing divinity. We're seeing commodity. Mm-hmm. And that includes commodity of wealth. That includes commodity of people. Yep. The exploitation of people is what happens when you begin to view people as a commodity? What is the the one time that we see Jesus like adjacently violent? Oh, flipping tables in the temple. Why was he flipping tables and braiding whips, Cullen? Keeping people, excluding them from worship. Excluding people from worship based around money. <laughs> based around money. 100% functionally around money. Yeah, no. Continuing on, the same thing. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you tithe mint, dill, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, and mercy, and faith. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Hmm. Do you understand what we're seeing here is once again... You do what what he's saying is you do the crap of the law that's easy for you, that's convenient for you. Mm. But the stuff that's not easy for you, mercy, justice, you don't do that. Mm -hmm. In fact, you further exploit people. Yep. Uh, The many pastors included in the SBC report that um, sexually assaulted boys. Like... The people that are supposed to hate gay people, by the way, protecting themselves in their own homosexual, pedophilic Well, don't forget, forget, if you're going to bring up pedophilia, the SBC annual convention is this very long, drawn-out thing. And a couple weeks before, they have what's called the Pastors' Conference. It may actually be the week right before, like it may be adjoined. I don't remember exactly how it works, but whatever it is, the pastor's conference is another like element of the big annual meeting month of all the SBC stuff. John MacArthur is technically not an SBC pastor, Mm -hmm. but he is beloved by SBC people. Mm -hmm. He believes exactly like SBC people. Mm -hmm. And he was invited to go be a keynote speaker for the SBC's pastor conference two weeks ago. And in it, he said, y'all are my people. John MacArthur has been noted time and time and time again for months of protecting across multiple decades three different pedophiles, of which some of them molested their own children while on staff at his church. And he still preaches every week and is paraded Mm -hmm. as a godly man. Yep. Doing the things that are easy in the law and forgetting the things that are hard calling out freaking oppression sorry i think i think it's great the the next two woes are perfect for what you're talking about Mm -hmm. 
Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the plate, yep. but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup so the outside also may become clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside look beautiful, but inside they are full of the bones of the dead and of all kinds of filth. So you also, on the outside, look righteous to others, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. You are full of death. You are full of death. And that's what he continues with. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you testify against yourselves that you are descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your ancestors. You snakes, Mm. you brood of vipers. How can you escape being sentenced to hell? Mm. Therefore, I send you prophets, sages, and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town, so that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I tell you, all this will come upon this generation. Jesus, when he sees it, Jesus is speaking in Matthew to Jews. Jesus is the new element of Judaism. When Jesus is speaking these things, I think Jesus is saying what I'm saying. Burn it to the ground. And that's why in Acts chapter 9, when Paul or Saul meets Jesus on the road to Damascus and has his, his moment, he is told that you will be my instrument to the Gentiles because Jesus is saying, when it's this bad, burn it to the ground, which is what we saw, which is what we saw at the end of Genesis or at what we saw in Genesis 5 and 6 leading up to Noah. It's also what we saw leading in to the Egyptian slavery. And it's also the reason they went into Babylonian slavery. Time and time and time again, when the system, when the religious system becomes corrupt, Jesus says, burn it to the ground. Thanks for listening to the Let's Talk podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. Be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoyed the episode. It's free and it helps us immensely. Also, feel free to check out our other podcasts.